Well, good morning, and thank you again for joining us today for our online service. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and and turn to the book of Philippians. We're going to be reading out of chapter 1 there in just a few moments, and and hopefully you'll find some encouragement today uh, wherever you might be. Uh, now, if you know uh, our, my family, uh, you know that we've had uh, an interesting last three years. And, and even if you don't, just a, a real uh, brief uh, uh, recap on that would be three years ago, uh, my son Tucker, uh, he was 21 months old at the time, he was diagnosed with, with cancer and went through about two years of treatment. He's been out of treatment for a year, and we certainly thank and praise God every day. Uh, things are, are going well, and every uh, scan has shown that there's no cancer in his body. Uh, Uh, We also thank so many of you who have supported uh, our family in many, many different ways through that journey. Uh, But throughout that journey, uh, there have been many, many things that uh, our family, uh, each and every one of us, even kids, uh, will never forget. There's been fun things, uh, things like uh, going on Tucker's wish trip, and we're so grateful to make a wish for, you know, they sent us to the East Coast, and Tucker got to see Paw Patrol live on his birthday. It's so much fun, and, and he still talks about that uh, quite frequently. Uh, but there have been other things. There have been people that we've met, and Uh, connections that we've made, relationships that have formed that we hope uh, to to always uh, continue to have from here forward, Um, people that we'll never forget. There have been experiences both good and bad, and and even uh, good experiences in bad experiences. Uh, Let me explain. I remember during radiation, Tucker had to do about uh, five weeks of radiation where he'd go in every morning and for about five weeks and go under anesthesia and uh, he would be back doing his treatment uh, for just about 20 minutes and then they wheel him back into the room and everybody knew it was going to be between 14 and 16 minutes. Sometimes even just right on the dot at 15 minutes uh, after he'd come back that he would wake up. Uh, but it was funny because uh, everyone kind of laughed about this. Uh, he, he, he wouldn't just kind of slowly wake up. You know, he's laying there, you know, uh, oxygen blowing on his face. And it wasn't just this slow wake up. It was at 15 minutes, he was sitting up straight. And for the first couple weeks, all he wanted was Oreos and apple juice. And if you didn't have Oreos and apple juice, everybody at Mayo Clinic knew that there was a two-year-old in the basement uh, who just woke up and he needs his Oreos. Uh, and it was just something that we, we kind of grew laugh about, but as soon as he got those Oreos, man, he'd lay back and just sit there and slowly chow down on them, and it it was just uh, something that even in a a bad experience, you know, there were good memories in that. Uh, But uh, even in all this, there was one conversation uh, specifically that, that I'll never forget. Uh, we were at a Ronald McDonald house, and uh, I had gone into the kitchen just to get uh, a piece of cake. Uh, it might have even been a special K bar, I don't remember, but I just got into the kitchen to, to get something to eat late one night, and, and I met a new family there, a, a new couple. They had just arrived, and, and a normal conversation that you have in a place like this is <laughs> kind of, uh, hey, what's your family here for? And these are very, very normal conversations that we had, and uh, we began to share our stories, and, and I learned from this couple that uh, they just had a baby, and this is why they were there, and everything had been perfect. You know, for, for nine months, uh, perfectly healthy mom, healthy baby, uh, and then uh, during delivery, there were some complications, and this baby uh, had her umbilical cord uh, wrapped around her neck, and uh, at this point, uh, this baby was now on life support, and um, they saw no brain activity. 
And so the next day, uh, this family that I just met that night uh, was going to make a very, very difficult uh, decision, the hardest decision they've ever made. And as we began to talk, uh, they, they, they asked the question, you know, if this was your son, what would you do? Uh, it's a, a big, big question. Uh, one that in, in, in some ways we had con- considered, you know, uh, what, uh, what if it would come to something like that? How, how do you respond? What do you do? And uh, when f- someone asks you that, it's, uh, you want to respond with hope. You know, you, you want to uh, say something and, and do something that uh, helps someone know that something better is coming, that, that tomorrow holds something better, uh, that, that the future has something better, that, that you can still have hope, you know. Um, and, and, and maybe for many of you, I, I hope and I pray that that hasn't been something you faced. Um, you're going through a question that you've had to ask, but at the same time, I'm guessing that each and every one of us at some point in our lives uh, either have or will uh, be in a situation where, you know what, we just don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know what's going to happen next. We don't understand everything that's happening around us. And we want this uh, better tomorrow. We want to look forward to, to, to something, but we just we don't know what is going to happen next. In a situation like that, it may be completely different. It, it may be something to do with a job, a relationship. Maybe it is something to do with a, a diagnosis, um, something to do with finances, or simply like this, a question that you're asked. But in that situation, I think the biggest question is, how do you have hope when you don't know what's going to happen next? You know, how do you have hope when you don't understand everything and you just don't know what's going to happen next? It's a big question, a really, really big question, and uh, it's a question that deserves an answer from a source that uh, really knows far more than I do, uh, far more than, than any other individual, no matter how much we can relate to that exact situation, and it, it deserves an answer from a higher source, and, and, and that's why I want to turn to God's Word. That's why I want to look at what is truth have to say in moments like these when, when we want to have hope, but we just we don't know what's going to happen next. That's why I want to turn to the book of Philippians to look at something that Paul said because um, Paul is the one who wrote uh, this. It was a letter to the, the Philippians, and Paul was an apostle. He had devoted his entire life to spreading the good news of Jesus, the gospel, that Jesus Christ had come, he had died, and he was alive, and he did this to pay for our sins so we could have eternal life. He devoted his life to making sure everybody knew this. And uh, he shows us not just with words, but really with his life, how we can respond with hope, uh, no matter the situations that we're facing. And uh, he shows us how this choice will, will shape our life and potentially even the lives of those around us. And uh, this letter that, that Paul wrote, uh, you need to know, he, he was in prison in this time. Uh, he had been arrested uh, because of his faith, because he refused to stop sharing the gospel. And so he's sitting in jail. But his response is not necessarily one that's typical of someone sitting in jail. And so let's go ahead and let's read how he responded. We can read in the book of Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So here's Paul. He's sitting in jail 
an innocent man. Everyone knows. In fact, everyone around him, including those guarding him, know that the only reason he's there is because of his determination uh, to, to share the gospel. He's there because of his faith. Yet his response in this is quite optimistic, even hopeful. Uh, later, we could read it in verse 18, uh, he writes that he's actually rejoicing because he knows that what he's going through, what he's experiencing uh, is, is actually uh, helping to advance the gospel. That things are, are, good things are happening, that this will work out for good. And in verse 20, uh, he writes that he's eagerly awaiting to see what happens next. Uh, but the interesting thing is, not so much uh, his the amazing thing, rather, it isn't just that he has this perspective, uh, but it's that he has this perspective when he has no clue what's going to happen next. And really, every option that he can think of for how this situation is going to work out, by most standards, really is quite bleak. Uh, he could get out uh, of jail, which might seem, well, hey, that's pretty good. But yet, we know from looking at his life, and Paul certainly would have known, that uh, that wouldn't have meant just this jolly good life. Uh, this would have meant persecution. Uh, he had been beaten multiple times. He had been stoned. People taking rocks, throwing them at him until they thought he was dead and they walked away. But yet he survived. Uh, he had been, uh, he's been shipwrecked. Uh, these things that he would experience in his life. So getting out of jail, well, it really wasn't quite that optimistic, maybe. Um, he could stay in jail, which uh, yeah, that, that maybe would actually be a little bit better. I don't know. Uh, safer maybe. I don't know. Uh, but still, not what we consider this great outcome. Or he could die. These were, or be put to death. And these were the options that Paul knew, that Paul thought about for this situation, the possible outcomes. But his response was really quite unique. He said in the book of uh, Philippians again here, uh, later in verse 21, he said, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. You see, if Paul got out of jail, he could continue his mission facing all of this persecution, but he can make sure that more people hear uh, about the gospel, uh, more people hear that they can have uh, this eternity in heaven with their creator. If he stayed in jail, he knew that good things, we already read that, that good things were already happening because of his situation. And he could continue to help other believers, other churches grow in their faith. If he died, he thought, well, I'll be with Jesus. That's my ultimate goal anyway. He had this eternal perspective on every situation. On, he had his eternal perspective on every one of these temporary situations in his life. You see, if you want to maintain hope in, in any circumstance, in any challenge that you may face, we need to place our hope in the eternal, not just our version of tomorrow. To place our hope in the eternal, not just in our version of tomorrow. See, each option for Paul's tomorrow was eternally focused that whatever happens, it would result in others knowing they have a future with Jesus or he himself being with Jesus. Could we say the same about our versions of tomorrow? That our version of tomorrow is somehow focused with eternity in mind. Maybe a, a better way to ask that question is, if you received everything you hoped for, what would eternity look like for you and for those around you? 
If you received everything you hoped for as it relates to your finances, what would eternity look like for you and those around you? If you received everything you hoped for as it relates to your job, your career, coworkers, what would eternity look like for you, for those around you? If you received everything that you hoped for, for your children, for their future, what would eternity look like for you and for those around you? You see, how we answer that question determines how we respond to the challenges that we will face in life. The question I asked earlier is, you know, how do you have hope when you don't know what's going to happen next? And honestly, without Jesus, without looking towards and forward to this eternity in heaven, I don't know. I don't know how you can respond with hope in those times. See, many times I spoke to my wife, Kelsey, about this, uh, especially in the beginning of, of our son going through cancer treatment, because we saw the spectrum of, of pain and suffering. Uh, we were in places where those one in a million uh, diagnoses were all around you. You're surrounded uh, by everyone who's experiencing that. Yeah, but it's one in a million. We're right here. The, the, the spectrum was, was pretty broad uh, for the, the pain, for the things that kids and families were experiencing. But honestly, as we begin to think about this, of, uh, of what was happening in our family and, and what others were going through, the most unimaginable thing that I could think of was trying to f having to face these challenges without eternal hope without that something to look forward to no matter what happens. I mean, if I had to face these things knowing that if I lost what was right in front of me, you know, if, if all I was looking forward to was just what I could hold on to, what I could see right in front of me, if I lost what was right in front of me and that was it, done. No more, nothing more to look forward to. Honestly, no hope in my son being in a better place, being with his creator in a place where there is no pain and no suffering. That was unimaginable, the most unimaginable to me. See, ultimately, we, we had to recognize that our hope for all of our kids today and into the future is I want my kids to know Jesus and I want my kids to be with Jesus. You see, if your hope is in Jesus Christ, you always have something to look forward to. In fact, uh, Paul said in Romans 5, 5, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. And that hope that Paul had, it wasn't that everything I hope for won't, won't lead to disappointment. It wasn't that he received you know, everything he wanted or that, he, that things went the way he wanted them to. But his hope didn't disappoint because his hope was in something eternal. Not something that could be affected by the unknown in a broken world. He looked forward to his future with Jesus Christ in a place where he could look back and see that this pain, this suffering, that these things were but temporary. It's something that we can look forward to no matter what challenges we may face in this world. See, in every circumstance, Paul was able to find a way to have hope because he was able to look beyond the current circumstances, beyond the current challenges and situations toward eternity. Even to see how in every situation our hope can influence those around us. See, if we want to have hope, 
in every circumstance, we need to do the same. We need to have an eternal focus. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't face challenges. In fact, something that we need to understand is that hope changes your focus, not necessarily your circumstances. Hope changes your focus, not your circumstances. Earlier we read uh, the end of that passage in Philippians 1.14. says, And because of my chains, Paul speaking here, uh, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. See, although something inside them had changed, we need to recognize that their circumstances didn't. Although they were were motivated more, something had uh, changed inside them and spurred them on to go out more fearlessly and courageously than before, their circumstances didn't change. It wasn't that because Paul was in prison, all of a sudden there was this free road to go and advance the gospel. No, they still faced persecution. In fact, things would actually get worse as far as that goes. See, think of it like, I, I know... Growing up, I played uh, quite a bit of football uh, through high school and, and, and at a college and uh, a lower level college. Okay? It wasn't like Nebraska Huskers here, uh, but I was able to play college football. And uh, one of the things I remember, freshman year especially, um, uh, it was a pretty rough year. <laughs> we lost a lot of games. In fact, we lost every game. Uh, uh, but I do remember uh, I played offensive line, uh, probably uh, is, uh, at least one of the smallest offensive linemen in college history, I suppose, 170 pounds. And a lot of the guys you're facing are, you know, 240 to, to 300 pounds. Uh, and I would remember going to these games, and, and we would we would we'd get whooped the first half. Uh, some of these games were pretty rough. But you go into the halftime, kind of, there's some yelling, there's some game playing, and then there's this motivational speech. There's the halftime speech. And, uh, I mean, hindsight, man, some of those speeches, they were so good corny, uh, but we'd be able to come out of that locker room, and it was like something had changed inside of us. It was like, <clears throat> uh, it's a new ball game. It's zero to zero. We're going to win the second half. You go out there, get down on the line, set hut, bam, and guess what? The guy across from me, he was 290 pounds before the half. Even though something inside me had changed, it still felt like I was hitting somebody who was 290 pounds. Something inside me had changed, but the circumstances I was facing uh, certainly did not change. Now, That illustration certainly falls apart as it pales in comparison to the challenges that we face. And we all know how short-term a a motivational speech can be. But it still helps us understand that, you know, something inside of us can change. We can have a new focus. We can have a new perspective. But yet, uh, our circumstances might stay the same. We need to understand, although that's true, that doesn't invalidate our faith. And it doesn't make hope pointless. Not by any means, not by a long shot. In fact, it means that if our faith hinges on the outcome of what we hope for, then our hope had better be eternal. See, if our faith hinges on the outcome of what we hope for, our hope had better be eternal, in something eternal. See, if we simply hope for our job to be enjoyable or to have great pay, to have great coworkers, what happens when one or none of those happen? What if our perspective was that God would place us in or open up the job opportunity where I can use my gifts and abilities, but most importantly, have an influence on those around me? If our hope is is simply that our health would always be great, what happens when it's not? If our hope is, do we immediately begin to question God in times like that? What about... It seems so much worse when it's something that, you know, affects my health, yes, but not my loved ones. If our hope is just that those around us, uh, that their health would be perfect all the time, what happens when it's not? What happens to our faith 
Now, am I saying that God doesn't heal, uh, that God doesn't hear our prayers and, or he doesn't answer our prayers? No, I'm not saying that at all. I prayed for my son every day, still continue to pray for my son. I praise God for the good news that we have had. I don't believe that we are just robots in a world responding to the things that happen around us as we're programmed to, but I do know that we will face challenges in this life that are out of our control. But yet, our response to those situations, to those challenges, is in our control. The challenges we face may be out of our control, but our focus is in our control. That doesn't mean we won't have challenges. It doesn't mean that we'll never experience uh, pain, suffering. But in the midst of all of that, you can have hope. And your hope is eternal. That's the kind of hope we're talking about when we say hope that won't disappoint. That's the kind of hope that allows us to move forward in confidence, no matter what we face. That allows us to endure the unimaginable allows them to endure the, I never expected this and I don't know what's going to happen next. That's that kind of hope that can even change the lives of those around us. You see, if we just only hope in our version of tomorrow and that version is based solely on temporary things, if we only hope in our version of tomorrow that tomorrow would just be better based on, on, on what we think should happen, if we only uh, place our hope in changed circumstances. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't hope for things to be better, uh, not, not by any means, but I'm talking about this ultimate hope, this hope that if our faith hinges on this, if our, if our faith hinges on the outcome of what I hope for, then my hope needs to be anchored in the eternal. So if we hope just in our version of tomorrow or just in changed circumstances, the truth is that we diminish what Jesus did and why he really did it. See, Jesus came to give eternal life. In John 3, 16, we can read, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He came to give eternal life. Yet sometimes the way we question God or the, the, the level of trust that we have in him makes it seem that we believe that he came to ensure that our lives would go as we imagined them. But you see, we have to remember that his plans are so much bigger than that. His plans are eternal. See, when Jesus was on this earth, he knew what he was going to face. And I'm not saying just the day before he was tortured and crucified, he understood what was going to happen next. He knew for quite some time before that what was going to happen next. Yet he didn't hide he didn't run. He boldly walked into it because he was focused on the eternal, not the temporary. He, he knew that no matter how bad it got, and he knew exactly how bad it was going to get. See, so many times in our life, uh, if we knew uh, how bad it was going to get, we would say, mm -mm, no way. Jesus knew exactly what the outcome was going to be and how bad it was going to be, and yet he walked into it anyway. He did it for you, and he did it for me so that we could have this hope. That no matter what situation we're in, we can have hope. And now, maybe for you, you understand that. Maybe, maybe you want to have that kind of hope, this eternal hope we're talking about, but you've never placed your trust in Jesus. I want to encourage you, that's the first place to start. We read moments ago in John 3, 16, uh, what Jesus did. You see, we've sinned. 
And Jesus came and he died. That's what verse is talking about. He died to pay the price of our sins. And then if we would choose to believe in him, we can have eternal life. So today, you can know that you have that hope by saying, God, I know I've sinned. I believe you paid for that, and I want to follow you for the rest of my life. I want to have uh, that eternal hope every day of my life to know that no matter what I'm facing now or no matter what I will face in my life, I can look forward to eternity with you. You can do that now. If you've done that now, maybe you've done that a long time ago in your life, here's what my challenge is for you today. Today, tonight, and for the future, to learn to recognize, to really stop and to think, what is eternal and what is temporary? And recognizing that even my own life here, as I know it, as I see it right now on this earth, is temporary. To stop and think, what is temporary and what is eternal? You begin to ask, how can I have this eternal perspective on what is temporary? See, if we think back in Paul's life, he's sitting in jail, but yet he recognized this was a temporary situation, but yet eternal things were happening. People were hearing about Jesus and hearing about the hope they can have. How can we have the eternal perspective? And not just on our bad things, not just to, to recognize that the, the bad challenges we may face in life are but temporary, but even to recognize the things that, that are good. Maybe it's that job, that, man, I love this, but to recognize it is but temporary. And how can I have an eternal perspective on this? everything I hope for, if I got everything I hope for, what would eternity look like for me and for those around me? So today, learn to recognize what's temporary and eternal. And then ask yourself, how can I have an eternal perspective on the temporary? And I challenge you to do this now so that when you face various challenges or when you're asked difficult questions, you can respond with hope, eternal hope, because that hope won't disappoint that's the hope that allows us to move forward in confidence no matter what we face. The hope that allows us to endure no matter what we have to endure. That's the kind of hope that can change the lives of those around us. We have to learn to live in a temporary world with an eternal focus. And so my prayer for you today and for the future is this. That you be able to respond to this message. That you be able to respond to the challenges you face in life in the same way that the believers around Paul responded you be able to face each day more fearlessly and courageously because your hope is anchored in the eternal. That your version of tomorrow would have an eternal focus because that hope will not disappoint you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you that we can get together in this way. But Lord, I thank you so much for what you have done for us that you loved us so much that you, that you came down. Jesus, that you were willing to endure what you went through so that we could have hope, that we could look forward to our future with you. And God, help us to give those lens, give, help us to have the, that perspective. Give us the, those lenses to see, to focus in on the eternal. That no matter what we face, we can hang on to hope in you and what is waiting in that perfect place with no pain and suffering with you. Father, help us to see that no matter what we face and to hang on to that. Lord, we thank you. We praise you for all that you have done in your name. Amen. Now I want to leave you with this, this blessing 
actually from something that, that Paul wrote in another letter uh, to the Romans. In chapter 15, verse 13, Paul says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Be blessed today.